0: You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is the podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, David Hall.
1: Is everybody back from their food coma?
0: Some of us. Brian McCubbin. Nope. How's everybody doing? I just woke up, actually. Brad Wren. Hey, everybody, and happy holidays. Welcome to the final show of 2023, where we will be looking back at some of the milestones iRacing has achieved this year. We'll check out our our favorite new content of the 2023 year and review how your safety rating is calculated and a huge announcement from iRacing for the upcoming 2024 season.
2: That's right, Mike. And if you join us at iRacesLounge.com and select show notes, you'll be able to see all of these great stories and products we'll be talking about today. And uh, just by going to iRacesLounge.com, selecting show notes. So log in and check it out and we'll see you there.
1: do if you don't have your wheel set up yet
3: you use your mouse what do you think of this brad yes i saw this post earlier carson uh uh was i guess hadn't moved to sim yet but decided he tried to do some super speedway racing with his mouse um he posted a little highlight so even with the mouse the guy can still drive pretty good it's pretty crazy
0: (laughs) yeah it you know he 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 did some kind of bold moves too, down to the inside on some guys and actually pulled it off. You know, like you, oh, you were th- initially, I was thinking, Oh, he's in a wreck of all, but he held it. You know, uh, I was kind of surprised.
3: So for guys that have been on the service for a while, what was it probably what 14 or 15 when they actually introduced uh, the mouse option to drive with am I, am I correct, Mike?
0: Yeah. I don't think initially it was there. Was it?
3: No, I remember them. Like I guess it was probably 13, 14, 15 somewhere in that area, but I remember there was a lot of uh, somewhat outrage at that time, you know, to allow someone to use a mouse to race.
0: We pay all this money, you know, I don't want to race against a guy on a keyboard. Now,
2: and it looks like uh, from his posts, uh, he said that's the only highlight of this of this race for him, so it must not have ended up too well anyway. I just don't I, I don't know how you do it on a mouse. Uh, do you do you actually Map maps the left and right to the mouse. Is that how it works? You know, you move your mouse left to turn left or whatever? I presume so. Or or are you steering with the keyboards? I don't know.
0: I remember back in the day, before I had my wheel, and I played any kind of racing game, it was the left and right arrow and the A and the Z key uh, for forward-backwards. Yeah, that's crazy.
2: Um. So I'm kind of wondering if he got away with some moves in this in this highlights that a lot of times you don't get away with. Um, you know, I wonder I wonder if he was getting the um, the celebrity, uh, you know, pass where people make extra room for you. If you're a celebrity, if you if you have a real a real racing name or something like that, because uh, I know that happens with, with guys like Junior. He always gets a little extra soft treatment when he's in, in races.
1: I don't think he'd agree with you there, because for every one of those, he's got somebody who will try to race them extra hard for for a chance to get a name, make a name for themselves.
0: You think this kid's a punk, and <laughs> <Me too. laughs> um, I'd probably race him really hard.
1: <laughs> I wouldn't
0: give him
2: room because he kind of passed underneath the yellow line in this video, and I wouldn't I wouldn't let him come back up the track
0: right they kind of gave him the lane uh or left a lane you know half open there anyway
1: next up we have a a software company i've never heard of i guess that uh is maybe killing iRacing, brian
2: yeah this was a youtube video from djej uh another another really good video from him and he's talking about uh this this uh sim called low fuel motorsports um and uh, apparently, it's it it works a lot like iRacing, except uh, it's a little bit less uh, less expensive. Um, they have a similar um, license rating system like iRacing does. And uh, you know, DJ EJ in the video is like wondering, not not in a way that he doesn't understand, but he's he's saying, why is this why is this um, sim not taking drawing away from iRacing so iRacing has kind of kept their fans in check and 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 their uh, supporters a lot of it he said has to do with the top of, of the uh, food chain in other words he's talking about the top drivers are not uh moving on to this sim for whatever reason and um that that tends to keep uh, a lot of people in um in iRacing since the top guys just pretty much stay in there. So yeah, I'm not really a hundred percent sure uh, about this, about this sim low fuel motorsports, but, uh, yeah. Let might- me
0: clarify. Uh, it's, they're not actually a sim. It, it's more like a group that does the ranking, the I rating as you would call it. Um, and they rank multiplayer events or races for a set of Corso zone or a set of corsa or R factor 2 okay so those are the sims a set of corsa and R factor but what you do is you use low fuel motorsports in conjunction with that sim to be able to race other people basically um, and they do a similar ranking system. Uh, similar to I rating. I don't know exactly how it works, but that's my understanding about it. Now, the other thing that's come into play recently is low fuel motorsports is no longer supporting R Factor 2, I've heard recently. And so I think they're actually only on uh, AC instead of Corsa.
3: I've, I guess probably what a month ago, I think R Factor 2 had basically launched uh, a lobby system very similar to. I guess, low fuel or iRacing uh, with weekly series. So um, I haven't messed with our Factor. I did back in the day. But um, the, the, the issue I think I see is iRacing kind of has a total package. Everything is integrated into it. Um, it's not like you're having to, to get a sim and then go somewhere else and do it. It's, it's completely integrated. And as flawed as we can say perhaps IR or SR is, um, you know i don't i don't think you're going to find any sort of service out there that's going to give you the uh the robust uh, support uh and options that that i gives you
0: talk about a monopoly i mean if this was a different industry i mean they would be breaking this this uh company apart you know because you know if you're a different gaming system and you're trying to get in and and take iRacing's you know market share. You got to be in bed with these uh, these racing series. You know the the dirt car series. You know or IMSA or NASCAR or IndyCar or guess what? You know iRacing is already in bed with all of those. And so you know the the iRacing is the place to be. You know for these major uh, motorsports series. You're kind of it. Kind of surprises me almost that F1 is the one series that's kind of an outlier that's not really fully integrated into iRacing. I mean, that's probably the next step for iRacing.
1: I think calling it a monopoly is a bit of a stretch, though, because there are other there are other profitable software companies. In in also, when you're talking sim racing. You're not just competing against other sim races, you're competing against other games. you're competing against other hobbies. You're in the entertainment business. so they, they don't have a monopoly on somebody who also you know plays like say uh, digital combat simulator or Mortal Kombat or you know, or um, anything along those lines, right?
2: Yeah, and we did see motorsports game take a little chunk out of iRacing when they when they took the Indy license and and uh, when they lost um, to Le Mans twenty four. So there there have been a little bit of have been companies that are trying to nip away at some of the iRacing stuff. Um, it hasn't always worked out, but but um, it's I guess they've shown that if they had the proper software to back it up, they could do it.
3: I've never been into flight sims, and I don't know if any of you guys are, but I would kind of think that, like iRacing, I guess, is there something comparable um, in the flight sim to where it's maybe one product, but, again, they're offering multiple, you know, lots of guys that can get together, or people or whatever that's it's completely kind of integrated?
1: Um, I don't know if there's anything that has all of the – the integration that that irising might have because you in particularly in flight sims, you're not always going to have uh, it's, it's a little bit, it's a lot more sandboxy like with digital combat simulator, because you you don't have races and you don't have ways to track kills. Um, it's, it's a little bit more sandboxy. You, you'll have groups that kind of fly together that are like-minded and they'll set up missions with individuals or they even have uh Races. You can race some of the World War II planes around certain waypoints and stuff, or, um, or they have these c- continuous player versus environment missions where everybody just teams up on one side. Uh, so D- DCS is pretty broad, and it has a whole lot of different things that you can do, but it's very sandboxy, and it's still just kind of up to the members to organize how they want to organize. Yeah,
2: you're right, Dave. Matter of fact, I just watched a uh, DCS Blue Angels air show um, that was done on DCS. It was really good. But that's kind of stuff that, you know, wouldn't really integrate, you know, have a lot of people in it at the same time, like the races are in iRacing and they're all on the same track, same time, stuff like that.
3: You can have about 40, 50 planes in a server. Okay. Yeah, I did know if it with something like I mean, I guess I maybe I'd heard like I don't know if it's Microsoft Flight Simulator or whatever, but you actually have like guys flying, you have people that are actually being the air traffic, air traffic controllers, or if there's there's stuff like that to where again, you know, would that be called a monopoly? But again, if you're given a good platform that that is, is robust enough. To, to cover a lot of that. And I think that's what iRacing offers outside of R Factor you know, 2 and then some of those other ones. It's, it's not just a sim. It's you're, you're paying for the sim, yes, but you're paying for the service that goes along with that. Um, and I think that's really where iRacing you know, it takes the lead on that because it's, it's a sanctioning, let's say, sanctioning body as we've used before. Um, it's not just a sim, um, if that makes sense.
1: So, it's not a monopoly, but it is definitely the dominant service by far. All right. Next up, Brad, we have a bottom split broadcast. I it looks like these... Um, actually, it's not done yet, but we they're going to be broadcasting bottom split. And I can tell you it's going to be kind of uninteresting, and I'll tell you why in a second.
3: Yeah. So, uh, Jordan Wirth um, posted that on January 19th, the bottom split for the Daytona 24 hours will be uh, broadcast on bottom split broadcasting. Um, so... I'm sure that could be interesting.
0: Honey. Pony um, and his team.
2: Yeah, it's going to be all GTs too, right? Because typically those bottom splits in a 24 are all GT cars. They usually don't have the LMPs in there with you.
1: It's uh, kind of flip-flopped. I've been running MSA in the last two races. I had nothing but GTPs in there. There were no, no LMP2s and no GT3s. It was 48 LMP2 car – or 48 GTP cars. Oh, wow. So I, I, I'll, I'll call it right now, especially with all the since, – since they have all the different brands of GTP car, it's super popular now. Um, and the, the GTP is not as complicated to operate as the LMP1 was. You really had to – You really had battery strategy in the LMP1. There's no, there's no such thing with the GTP. You you basically have to just put it on balance and go. There's, there's no changing it except for like the last lap. And so a lot more people are going to be running it, and the bottom split will be all GTD unless he goes with the bottom split that
3: actually has all three classes. I would think you'd want all three classes as close as you could, maybe. You know GTPs and GTDs, um, just for the, I guess the uh, uh, carnage factor, maybe.
1: I'll drop it in here again. I've suggested it several times, and some of our suggestions actually seem to make it in into the iRacing. I think, except for maybe the top top split that you should take the rest of the classes that don't have as many people register and still fill up the whole class, but bump them down to where they have about the same strength of field as the other classes. Because what's going to happen is you're going to have GT3 drivers with 1100 I rating running against GTP drivers with 3000 I rating. And they're going to have those GTD drivers are going to be very entitled, and are and, and are going to be going up against a bunch of GTP or GT3 drivers that probably don't have a whole lot of experience and are not going to know when what what the GTDs are going to do. And you generally it's the GTDs' prop priority or responsibility to go around safely, but there's things that GT3s can do to really mess that up. Like if they, if they swing out really wide and you don't know they're going to, because you're setting up to, to cut under them on exit, they actually cause you to miss the corner, because you, you're expecting them to, to go ahead and apex early, and they don't. Uh, so I think that super lower GT3 strength of fields should be down with GTDs that are closer to their I rating.
0: So are we better off uh, this week uh, planning? I Brad, you guys finally picked a car today?
3: I threw it out there, so we'll see what we get.
0: It's like herding cats, right? Pretty much. Good. Okay, so you're. I think we're just going to run the same
1: guys we ran last year on the on the G- GTD.
0: Cadillac, right?
1: Yeah, but with the Cadillac.
0: Yeah, I so mean, it sounds buy good. the car.
3: No, sounds like we've got a team that's going to run Ferrari, so we'll probably, I guess, run two Ferraris. um We'll see. It'll be fun. Again, the whole purpose is. uh it's a good experience, I think. Uh, it's fun regardless of, of really how you do. It's really cool to 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 get out, hand the car over to somebody, and then hop out and watch them and try to spot and stuff like that.
0: So scheduling is next. Um, when do you start that, David?
3: Uh, probably a week or two before.
1: No reason to do it now. Everybody's schedule is going to change. Or one person will wait until the day before to put their schedule in anyway. All right, what's up next, Mike? Something about the only show in town.
0: Yeah, in the forums, we have Jen Jen Wang asked in a poll, is iRacing the only simulation you use, or do you play other Sims? And it's, uh, let's see what the results are. I voted for uh, just iRacing only. I don't have time for other Sims.
3: Yeah, it's the same way. So current poll is uh, 56% iRacing only. I play other sims, 12%, and I mostly play iRacing and dabble in other sims for 31%. So
1: does that just mean racing sims or other types of sims, like flight sims? I think
2: it means other types as well. That's what I answered. I answered I mostly play iRacing but dabble in other sims. iRacing is the only racing sim that I use, but, um, but I do mess around with flight just a little bit.
1: And ironically, the, the, the group I run with at the DCS, they've got one of the servers running a, running a plane racing uh, sim, and, and I've said no. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. They use like those Red Bull airplanes? Um, I think they mostly use World War II era planes uh, on that particular server.
0: You know, if, if I'm on iRacing and I feel like I'm bored and I don't see anything to jump into... I just get on the Nordschleife and the Ferrari and I just try to find those six seconds that are out there that I just don't know where they're at, but they're there. Um, and look, you, there, there's so many different things you can do. Oh, let's go. Let's try to go up Mount Washington and get it under five minutes. You know, let's, let's uh, let's do some of these time attack trial things. They're They're, they're all fun. There's so many of them that I, I've never even touched once. Like, there's so many things to do in iRacing. So don't think, you know, li- and we've all done that. We've all sat down. We've looked at the list of races, and then we walk away. You know, it's like, eh, I don't think I want to get any of these. But, uh, yeah, there's always something fun to do, especially with AI nowadays. I mean, try AI.
1: Okay. Um, the The headline in this next item, Brian, I think is a little misleading. Because it's, it's is is indie officially back or just moving towards being back?
0: I think, well, uh... I think you could say they're coming back.
1: Yeah, let's go
2: by the post first. Uh, it was it was uh, sent out on uh, Ad, uh, Adam Stern's Twitter page. He said, uh, IndyCar is moving toward a return to iRacing's platform with an official announcement likely coming early in the new year, per a Penske Entertainment Group official. The fresh deal between the sides would reverse what went away when IndyCar signed on with Motorsports Games, which we all know has had uh, major problems. So, uh, yeah, so technically... It's not back yet, but uh it looks like it's gonna be back. It's uh, no official announcement it looks like it's gonna be coming early in the year, but um it, but yeah, I, I think it's almost a foregone conclusion, but uh every everyone um, should should i guess I guess there's always a chance that something could fall through, but I think this is pretty much in the back in the books.
0: This is why I think it's in the bag, guys because. This tweet by uh, Adam Stern actually got retweeted by none other than iRacing, and I don't think they would try to put that out there if it, there wasn't some substance to it.
2: Yeah, I, I think you're right, Mike. I, I don't think they would have touched it if if it wasn't something that was already in the works. Um, too many bad things can happen by putting stuff out there that's not like that, that that you know has, hasn't been negotiated or anything yet.
3: So, uh, I've never been an indie guy, to be honest with you. Do we have the most current car? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I really haven't done much with it since it was cart. That tells you how long ago it is.
0: Um, this came. The timing was great. It was on uh, New Year's Eve, you know, mid morning, and it was Christmas quite the uh, quiz. Uh, why did I say New Year's Eve? Christmas Eve, correct? It it was quite the uh, Christmas present for all sim racers, you know, that are been watching this debacle, you know, and it it finally looks like we're about to come full circle. Uh, I bet you like like he speculates in early January, we're going to we're going to hear an announcement from Greg West. Uh, Hey, we're back, you know, kind of thing.
3: It's some point. I think Indy has to try to save face and this is probably the easiest way to do it.
0: Well, we're we, little... not going to get a ge- oh, I'm sorry, Brian. They're not going to get a game out anytime soon, right? So, this right. is a good thing to save face now in the 2024 season, right?
2: Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly what I was just going to say, Mike. and there was a little bit of speculation whether iRacing might uh work on them with a console game, but if they agree to it, they're, it's not going to happen anytime soon. They, they're they're tied up right now with dirt cars and a NASCAR game yet. So I don't think I don't think that's something that uh, would be coming out anytime soon. And you're right. I think this might just be their way to get into some kind of racing for the twenty four season because because motorsports game kind of completely fell apart on them.
1: I do. I, th- I think I could think of some guys that they could hire though all the ones that got laid off, right?
0: So we're talking Indy 500 is is the hope. We're talking, you know, a return to Indy tracks and in the regular, you know, 12-week car series, right? Um the lift on the broadcasting uh band stuff that they talked about. I mean, just undo all those things. I think I think we'd be happy with just that
1: so how about the uh this meme that came out this is the one of the best memes i think i've ever seen
0: oh it's the homer simpson and his boss um and it says so come crawling back eh
1: but replacing the faces are the two are the logos of IndyCar and iRacing.
0: yeah that one was too good to pass up so i had to make the script <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: and uh Again, I, I mentioned this a, while, a little while ago, but I think IndyCar uh, looks bad on this. They didn't do their homework on the Motorsports game. They didn't vet that company to where, you know, what their possibility of, of coming out with a, a game on time and, and whatnot. So uh, while, while Motorsports games was the, was the problem, IndyCar needed to do a better job vetting. And, and so, yeah, it does look like they're crawling back to somebody who will take them at this point. It's not a great look for IndyCore, but I'm I'm sure there's a lot of guys who are glad they're coming back anyway.
1: Do we really have any example where these exclusive, can, can completely lock everybody out of any content deals have worked out
0: ever? Not yet, but you never know, All right.
3: Well, if, if memory serves me, I mean, that's kind of how we ended up with our racing uh, with Papyrus Lost an ASCAR license, I guess, to EA. Um but that's what spawned what started as first uh, which turned into iRacing.
0: In And the forums are they're crying about uh well we gotta negotiate a way to scan Portland somehow, you know, if we if we can get IndyCar back on board. You know, I could I could give or take Portland. It's not I'm not uh I'm not crying for it.
2: Is Portland the one with the bridge where they go across the bridge? The street
0: course.
2: Oh, that's Nashville, I think. That's Nashville, right? Okay, I right. that's what I thought. But there's there's a couple of tracks that IndyCar wouldn't have, but I, you know, or that has on their schedule that I Racing can't do. But you know, they've worked around that before.
1: All right, so Larson needs a set. Apparently, he was fishing in the off season, but it was fishing for I Racing setups. Um, and he, he sent out a tweet who would be generous, generous, who would be generous enough to donate some fast racing setups. I'm slow and need all the help I can get. Um, I don't know if he was serious when he put it up there. There's a lot of replies. I didn't go through them. Um, I don't know if this is facetious, but, I mean, he could come race with us if he wanted to.
0: Well, I don't think uh, Kyle does that. He's one of those guys that's just a driver. He doesn't really know the car. Kind of like me.
2: is it? A- was he asking for a cup set or or did he, was he specific about what kind of he was looking for
3: it doesn't say in the it tweet it didn't say so has he been much back on the service since the whole you know debacle years ago when he got said some bad stuff and lost his ride and all that
0: yeah at some point initially he was racing under owen's account his son but um yeah i think at some point they quietly put him back on Probably when he got hired at Hendrix and all that. Yeah, it's but uh, you guy. know, Kyle, if he's listening, I mean he can hang out with us and we'll we'll hook a brother up.
1: All right. The next one's a TikTok Mike, so I'll let you take it.
0: Yeah. Uh the guy Lou Two Race posted a video of his puppy taking a bite out of his glove while racing around Bathurst. And uh he the the dog's like kind of chewing on his hand, but he's got these thick racing gloves on, so it doesn't really matter, but uh, you know, it's a playful chew. Uh, but obviously it's affecting his driving. I mean he's kind of just trying to be nice to the dog and let him do let the dog do what it it wants, but you know, make his lap.
3: Yeah, I'm not a dog person, so there's no fear of that ever happening here. Mike, you've got a dog. What are you going to do when it grabs your ankle or something? I think it's rather small, isn't it?
0: Oh, yeah. He stays away. He he knows when I'm racing that he's got some alone time.
3: I wonder
2: what was uh, getting the dog's ire up there. Was it was it the glove? Did he just, like, does he not like gloves on his, uh, under his hands, or was it the movements, or what? I'm kind of curious what goes through a dog's mind when he does stuff like that. It so
0: kind of reminds me of, you know, the pit bulls attack and they latch on to the guy you know the police guy with the big things on his arms and you know trying to get him to hold on
3: well the the dog looked pretty happy um but how about sim racing uh bringing joy so uh, there was a post from uh, on X from Boosted Media about sim racing bringing joy in unexpected ways. Says this gentleman was diagnosed with rapidly progressing Parkinson's disease a few years ago and is unfortunately no long, longer able to drive a real car. But we were able to help his son hook him up with a rig so he can uh, use his experience driving. This was really cool, I, I gotta say. Um, if you watch this, uh, pretty 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 cool.
0: Yeah, you know, dad can't drive anymore. He misses the thrill of the road or the rumble of the the pavement under his feet. Hey, dad, come try my sim rig out. See what you think.
3: There's got to be some therapeutic value to this, too. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, as, as somebody who's, you know, 50 years old, and I know there's older guys out there that are still racing, but, um, you know, I think they're... The mind needs to be kept sharp. And I think things like, you know, as silly as perhaps it would seem, sim racing may be. Um, you know, I can tell you, is having the job I have, I have watched lots of guys that have worked 30, 40 years, get into their 60s, retire super active at work. And if they don't stay active, they're usually dead within five or five years. So, um, think I'm going to let the wife know that I probably need to be sim racing until my 80s now.
0: Well, yeah. And the guy has Parkinson's real bad, apparently. And if you watch closely his driving, he's kind of swerving left to right. But as he goes off the road, he he's just cognitive enough to bring it back on the road. And and like you said, Brad, I mean, this doing this is got to be exercising that brain, you know, and, and helping him. Uh, and, and maybe in the, the the smallest amount, but help. Yep,
1: I agree. All right, this next one, uh, Ryan has something to do with the Ferrari holding more fuel than it should. Yeah,
2: this was uh, posted if you in the forums by Robert Crisdale, and uh, he posted a picture of his uh, IMSA Ferrari GT3, and it shows uh, is that three hours. And 55 minutes of race fuel available. Is that what that's meaning? I, I think that's what it means. So, some ain't right with uh, the race fuel. You shouldn't be able to run for that long. I want to tank a fuel in your IMSA Ferrari?
3: So, I read through this and I don't think that's exactly what it says. I think the concern is the, the lap time and the speed. Um, you know, looking at it, the original post says no car I've driven can reach 303 kilometers. kilometers uh, per hour on every Le Mans straight in a GT3 by halfway down the straight. So uh, there was some banner back and forth, and I guess somebody threw up. Uh, James King threw up some other times that were, I guess, actually better than what uh, was originally posted there by the uh, the the uh, the original uh, guy who did the toes, Robert Crisdale. Like, okay, so uh, yeah,
1: this is the ra- race fuel. I think means racing race setup, race fuel setup. I think is what that's talking about. Oh
0: So I think okay. I got look, you. the times change depending on what year in iRacing were. You know, is it twenty twenty two? Was it twenty twenty one? What build was it? Was it season three? You know, because they, you know, iRacing puts out changes. They put out balance of power. You know, every year the balance of power shifts. So where do these times come from are these from 2023 you know that's what i ask i mean look and, and to the original poster you know you it, it you got to be careful to call it out you know the 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 thread is actually called i think someone is running an exploit was the name of the thread and that's a bold statement to throw out just because someone's running fast it's not like he was running You know, several seconds faster. It was within the time. You know, the top times. And as some other forum posters pointed out, you know, there's actually times that are faster than that. So, I just think you have to be careful calling some somebody an exploit when they when they really might not be, or you don't understand what's happening.
1: Yeah, they they ripped him pretty good on the forum. Says you look through the replies.
0: Yeah, I think they got they set him straight, but. Is he calling somebody out Isn't that against The sporting code too
3: Yeah it is and that was noted as well <laughs> yeah, Section 2.4.1 uh, The forum is a social Backbone shouldn't be used to uh, To call people out all right. We spoke about it
1: last week um, or recently about nominations for the semis. It looks like the awards have been given out and it looks like the best event goes to the iRacing 24 hours of Daytona.
0: All right. Well done.
2: Bravo. And you know, they had an interview with uh, Kevin Bobbitt afterwards and he talked a lot about it. Some of the numbers that this 24 pulls down. It's amazing how big of an event that really is. Um, And obviously, not just for the uh, top racers who are in it, but, you know, the the tens of thousands of people who sign up for that event. It's it's amazing.
3: And then looking at the, uh, I guess, all of the nominees, iRacing pretty much had a uh, kind of the bulk of
0: those as well. And there was a second award that iRacing took, and that was Best Car, the Cadillac V-Series GTP in iRacing.
1: And that's just because its sound is so popular. It's the GTP GTP that still sounds like a car.
0: Yeah, I, you know, like I said last week, I don't take a lot of account into the, these particular awards, the VCO semi awards, but it's good to see iRacing take at least some of the dues.
1: What's their criteria? Is is there a voting body?
0: Yeah, I voted. Oh. They put out a, a poll or a, a questionnaire, and anybody yeah. can vote.
2: Yeah, just the users vote. Anybody can do it.
0: So I don't know how they get, get the uh,
1: spam bots ultimately
0: to get on the list to begin with, though. Yeah, I don't know how that process works.
3: There wasn't one for best podcast, I don't believe. Dang it. All right. Team Conti is giving away a PC. Tell us a little bit about it, Brad. Yeah. So, uh, um, our, our own PC. Uh, it's got a contest going on where they're giving away uh, the Team Conti Sim Performance. Officially opens on Wednesday, November 22nd. So this is a little while ago. So I guess it's a special built uh, PC. Um, you know, pretty pretty heavy powered. So looks like you could enter. I'm not sure when the actual giveaway was done. To be honest with you,
0: this was recently posted this week. So I, I presume that it's still open. Um, and Con- Team Conti kind of relaunched their Facebook page this week with this particular graphic. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, to enter, you have to follow uh, Team Conti and Martin PC um, on the Facebook. Uh, And then repost if on X or Twitter, you have to follow them there, I guess, as well. And then tag a friend who needs a new PC. So there's three steps. Well, think about how many people actually went through and did those three steps. It's probably not a big number. Man, I should do that. Maybe I can win a computer.
1: Well, give it a shot. It's not too late. It's been a long time since we've talked about how safety rating is calculated, but DJ EJ posted a video of it, and I didn't get a chance to watch this one. I'm not 100% sure if he's entirely right on it, because he said that the large ovals only give two corners per incident but i i don't remember it being that way i seem to remember it being that large ovals were four and short tracks were two in the past and now it's all ovals are four um so we may need a little confirmation on that but that's the way i seem to remember it going but he, he showed the the basically the different layers where where it jumps every time you cross a, a whole number um and what can go into the effects of the of your calculated I
3: rating. Not I rating, sensu rating. Yeah, I mean, I think videos like this are good for guys that don't understand exactly how it works. Um, I tried to do a little bit of digging, Dave, because you and I were, were messaging back and forth about this. that uh, I mean, it was changed, I think, in the last update, and I can't, I know I heard it or read it or somewhere, and I'll be danged if I can find it.
1: Well, yeah, they changed. They changed the short tracks to longer. But in the past, they they just had the short tracks only giving you two corners because the tracks were so short. That was their justification. Because I remember specifically being told, "Oh, yeah, when you're at a short track, you're only getting you're only getting two corners per lap, not four corners." But in the big tracks, you're already getting four corners. So he, he probably uh, it needs to be confirmed, but he's it, I think he's got that backwards.
0: Yeah, I would agree. I think for newbies, the thing to remember is the calculation assumes corners you've raced that are not in the race you just finished. They're in their previous race and the previous race, perhaps, and so it
1: goes twenty races back.
0: Well, I I think it's it's a certain amount of corners, you know. So it depends. So it's not an amount of races; it's amount of corners. But it's always more than one race. And so you can go through a race and have a perfect race with no incidents and you lose SR. Why? Well, because you tanked it the previous race and the race before that and your, your CPI is still low. You haven't done enough corners to, to turn the corner and bring it back up again. So, so think of it as spread over three races is the way to think about it. So every your whatever your the the most recent three races you've run, as a whole, your incident count determines your which way your safety rating is going.
3: So, uh, uh, I I guess so. I just don't think I've ever had an incident-free race where I lost SR. I can't remember one that was that drastic. Not either.
1: I've never seen it actually go in the opposite direction, but it could only move just a little, depending yeah. on the race. Yeah, I would say move a little. But I only race races that are usually at least 40 minutes long. All right, Mike, what uh track or car has been your new favorite one for the 2023 year?
0: Oh, that's a good you kind of got me on the spot there, but yeah, that's what iRacing asked on Twitter uh to everyone, what piece of content was your favorite? Um I'm sure I bought something. What did I buy that was new?
1: didn't you start running one of the formula cars?
0: Yeah. Uh, F four. Ford,
1: Yeah. For me, it was definitely the caddy. or
2: I mean, just that's the, not it's like
0: a, a in general, that's not like a car that was new this year. You know, the FIA F four. I don't know that I bought anything new this year. Oh, uh, I, at least I know what, how about Chicago street course? And I had a lot of fun at Chicago. I thought you know, it was going to be a huge debacle, but I actually enjoyed running that. It was a challenge.
3: Well, somebody that came back to the service uh, mid-year after being gone for six years, I bought a lot. Your turn, Brian. Uh,
1: I would
2: say in the first build came out with Lincoln Speedway, the dirt track that's local to us that I've been to many times. It's really cool to see in the sim. Um because you don't see it in a lot of other games that um, have had I uh, sprint cars in it before, um, Williams Grove was in it a lot, but that's not really as close by and, and near dear to my heart. So definitely, it was Lincoln Speedway being on there it was really exciting.
1: All right, we have another topic that's right along the lines of year in review type stuff, and it's iRacing put out some numbers for 2023, and they're pretty gigantic. Uh, we had. Is it? Is that nine hundred and seventy-nine thousand two hundred and seventy-seven laps? Is is that what we're looking at? Or my at, at the top have there. To
0: click on the picture to see the actual okay. uh, printout. But there we go. Um, that
1: was ranked events, actually. Yeah. So almost a million ranked events, one hundred and twenty-two unranked events, close close to five hundred thousand hosted events. And, and that all totaled up to one point six billion.
0: I like the one that the unique drivers: two hundred ninety-seven, seven hundred forty-nine, two hundred ninety-seven thousand unique drivers have raced in twenty twenty-three. That's a big membership number, guys, and and the memberships are probably bigger than that with people that have or that are not driving, right?
1: Or how about this one: nine hundred and eighteen million miles raced.
0: 501 million laps completed
1: and 8.7 million hours raced, which comes out to what? 997 years.
0: So the one that's the, so they ask in the tweet, do you think we can hit 1 billion miles in 2024? And they're referring to what you mentioned, David miles race, 918 million. They almost got to a billion. I think it's, possible to pull out another 80 million miles of racing in 2024 why not 80 million do you think that is possible with the amount of people that could be added
1: especially if they get to add the the uh, indie race back in and if our factors did I'm, I'm not quite sure
3: why why they still have Le Mans as well or just that belonged to rent uh that may be Ren Sport. I don't know, these numbers are huge. Um I mean when you start to think about the again, almost three hundred thousand unique drivers. Uh I, I don't know if there's any uh, I don't know, maybe Forza or some of those would probably be close, but again, I mean we're talking about a service that provides um you know just you wanna get on a race? it's pretty easy to 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 race and to do what you want to do um just I don't know big gone 6 years these numbers are are phenomenal compared to what it was you know uh 6 7 years ago we were such such a niche thing um you know it just it's astounding
0: so let's talk revenue calculator here 300,000 times you can get it as low as about $7 a month. So I'm going to say $7 a month. That's 2.1 million a month. So times 12. So the annual revenue, 25 million. That's not counting the, the, the sale of cars and tracks. That's just the membership.
1: Or servers, right? Every every hosted server is is paid for as well.
0: Right, yeah. There's all kinds of other revenue streams, but to have a baseline revenue of $25 million just for subscription, man, they're doing good. You know, like you said, Brad, it's just taking off.
3: Yeah, I mean, I wasn't here for the COVID years, and I, I know that's where it exploded, um, but no, I, look... <laughs> it's a win for all of us that enjoy this i mean it is such a win when you've got a company that is is profitable i mean look you, you see what they're continually adding i mean i think i said it before you go back 6 or 7 years ago and we were happy to get a track uh, a quarter a car every couple quarters i mean the, the the amount of stuff that's being produced every single quarter is huge
0: well and you know you see how they've grown on the staff You know, they've absorbed some other companies. They've taken on console gaming. You know, they're going to do a NASCAR console game, which is like the creme de la creme of racing console games. So, yeah, they're hitting on all cylinders. Uh, I think 2024 is going to be a, a banner year for iRacing.
1: And the first special event that's going to kick off that banner year is going to be the roar before the 24. This year, it's uh, going to be on January 12th through the 14th at Daytona National Speedway. It's got the usual starting times of 22, 07, 12, and 16, all GMT times. This is uh, on the road course. The It's a 2.4-hour race, solo, not team. Starts at 1 in the afternoon on, on the virtual track. 30-minute warm-up. Uh, got to have the class... D, and it's got the lmp3 car all the gt4s and all of the touring cars there's no balance of power information yet
0: who's running i am i have the mclaren out of all these cars i owned one of them
1: i might could run i only have the touring cars so and they're just not fun to drive uh so i, I might run it or i don't know if i'm gonna buy a car just
3: to run it though i've got the porsche gt4 and then i've got the uh the mercedes gt4 the mercedes gt4 is fun
0: Ooh, actually i might have the mclaren gt3 now that i think about it maybe i don't have one of these cars yeah i won't be running if i have to buy a car but i work on saturdays anyway
1: i i will be busy judging i know on most of saturday so i won't be able to run the saturday morning i'd only be able to run the friday night late one
0: Team Conti Sim Performance, connecting oval sim racers with some of the best who have
3: competed at the highest level of eNASCAR competition. From our wide variety of setup offerings to our coaching services that help racers reach their fullest potential, TCSP
0: is data-driven, people-focused, and ready to help you fight to the top of the iRacing oval ladder. Check us out at www.teamconti.gg. podcast housekeeping leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform to make it easier for more listeners to find us mention the podcast to your fellow drivers so they don't miss out we do appreciate it check us out on discord to join the conversation or go check out our show notes at iracerslounge.com we're in regular rotation at performance motorsports network and we have merchandise hats and shirts and stuff at uh, dash shop. Dot, dot shop.
1: While we're in housekeeping, should we go ahead and bring up the special event? I didn't think to put it in the script, but you, did you see me post it earlier?
0: Yeah, why don't you talk about that now?
1: All right, so we're moving it to Friday because I got, for selfish reasons, I got invited to do something Saturday. Uh, let me pull up my notepad f- file here, which I've apparently
0: closed. What's the car?
1: Well, it's gonna be at, at Dover. Uh, We're gonna call it the Community Wild Weasel Weasel Race. We're gonna do it in Dover instead of Bristol, just to expand it a little bit, create a little bit more room um, and and give it its own flavor. It's gonna be the GTP cars with 60% fuel, the GT3 cars with 50% fuel. It's gonna be on Friday, the 29th. We're gonna start to practice at 8.20 Eastern with qualifying at 8.55 Eastern, the race at 9 Eastern. Damage is off and cautions are off, but we're, we're going to give out a merchandise prize based on drawing, and the fewer incidents you get, the more chances you get. It's going to be basically the inverse. The person who wrecks the most is only going to have one chance out of however many incidents. The person with the few incidents is going to have a lot more chances, essentially. so just, I come up with that as a way to, even though damage is off and it's going to be ridiculous, To still not have it turn into an everybody-intentionally-wreck-everybody-type race.
0: I like it. I'll get the Cadillac before that.
1: Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. All right. Starting off in the hardware, we're going to move into the DIY realm with an Alex K video that shows you how to make a customizable center console for your rig and what he's essentially done he's got a materials list it's taking actual not do what do it yourself button boxes but purchase button boxes and just building a console around them and he gives you a a list of materials to put to put it together and you can basically set it up to look like the center console of a car
0: yeah i mean real simple stuff like cardboard scissors tape uh, he's got some carbon fiber sticky paper, you know, to make it black, you know, uh, the, the finished product, but, um, it's a neat idea. And, and, uh, I wanted to talk about it on the show because it, maybe it'll give somebody some ideas about what they can do with their button box is like, there's more to it than just hanging it on your rig. Like I do, like you could, you know, do something like this with the cardboard and the, the carbon fiber paper and i mean he's literally car- cutting out the cardboard pieces and wrapping them in the in the carbon fiber paper just like you would wrap a, a christmas gift
2: yeah he's using uh, alcantara right he bought some alcantara for it and just shows you how to wrap some of the, the the cardboard sides up and yeah it looks pretty decent in in uh, in, in what he, what he did there um not bad at all
0: and it's a neat look because he's stacking button boxes. He's got like two different ones and he kind of, you know, with the cardboard, he, he's kind of got them stacked and then he builds sides for them and turns it into a proper kind of console. Like you would, you sit in a car and you, to the right of you is a, a console. Um, he did say that he likes to use those button boxes from the company Sim Racing For You, I think is the name of it. We've talked about their button boxes before but they're pretty cool
3: as i continue to go down the rabbit hole of button boxes i uh, have been through their website <laughs> it's like 60 pages or something i've gone through it multiple times um you know what you can't take away the creativity of of, of this uh, uh um, this community um some of the rigs that you see and the stuff that you see on uh, on twitter or some of the facebook groups and stuff um know the amount of creativity that goes into to what these guys do or gals uh is is pretty incredible
1: you really do need a lot of buttons if you if you want to especially in vr if you want to really be able to do everything kind of easily especially if you're integrating something like jrt and and using a lot of automated i-racing commands for clearing tires and 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 such just or volume controls all of that, I, almost every button that I have on the left and right is being used, and I've got, I've got the Derek Spears design ones, where I've
3: got 15, 16 buttons on each side of my wheel, or or knobs. Yeah, um, you know, my old rig that I had before I sold everything, I had a CSW, and I had the Derek Spears uh, panels on both sides, and I am so desperately missing those now, so missing them.
0: So, just to give you a flavor of. How, you know, uh redneck this is. I mean, he he has an Elgato deck and for the Elgato, he he literally uses this this putty, this double sided or the sticky putty to stick each corner of the Elgato to the bracket, and then he used double sided tape to mount the bracket where he wanted it. Like like it's it's kind of ghetto, but at the the end product actually looks pretty decent. I don't know about using double-sided tape and, uh, you know, little pieces of uh, clay or whatever that is.
1: (laughs) All right, this next one, I don't really have a dog in the fight yet. We have a post about AsaTech versus SimCube 2. Brian, why don't you take this one?
2: Yeah, this is uh, from uh, Bino von Rensberg, who is, uh, uh, you know, uh, in the forums quite often. He's he's uh, really good on tech stuff, um, and somebody was comparing the um, the new Ace Tech uh, Direct Drive wheelbase to the SemiCube too, and. Um, they, they're uh, very, very both very good wheels. We all know that. Um, matter of fact, um, Boosted Media had a video recently that actually preferred. They were given their best of the 2023, and they actually picked the Ace Attack over the um, Semicube 2 Pro. So uh, it just goes to show you how highly it's been regarded by some of the uh, some of the prominent uh, reviewers. Um, but we also learned that Ace Tech used some of. Uh, SimiCube's um, software, uh, I believe, when they were setting up the company. They, they purchased some, some information from SimiCube, and that's why they, they were putting out such a good product. Uh, but Beto was kind of saying that it really shouldn't be quite as good as the SimiCube based on um, the information that they got from them. And and being such a new company, so uh, it's a little, con- I wouldn't say it's a controversy, it's just maybe just a matter of opinion. And, and Bino kind of put, put his two cents in on why he thinks the AceTech probably is not quite as good as the SimiCube 2.
0: Well, from my perspective, I think Bino gave us one little new tidbit of information that was missing before. When we were told that they bought the intellectual property of SimiCube, I think everyone assumed it's the same. It's the same software firmware that SimiCube's running. Why would you not think that? But what Bino indicates here, I'm going to read it, quote, quote, it will take a very long time to convince me that Asetek, who is using an older version of the SimiCube controller with a relatively rudimentary set of filters at this point and using the older style mije based servos, as opposed to the better quality ones that SimiCube 2 are currently using, is actually the better DD wheel. Please note, I refer to the DD base only, excluding any ecosystem. So you gotta remember uh, Bino's um, history or his background. He helped develop or worked with some of the companies uh, on the original direct drives, uh, the SimiCube 1, the predecessor to that, I think they called it OSW, um, and, and he has been involved with the manufacturers and, uh, uh in the design and, and stuff with, with some of these wheels. So he knows better than most. And this is the first time I've seen where the IP that Acetech, uh bought is been called an older version, a rudimentary set of filters, uh, an older style Meech based servo, not, not the good one. That's the first time I've heard that. That's new information to me.
2: Yeah, and but it is obviously impressing a lot of people though. For for whatever reason, um, Tech has used whatever information they did get from Simicube and made a fantastic product with it. Like I said, Boosted Media reviewed it and said it's the best one out there, even better than the Simicube. So, it's impressing people for for whatever reason. It's it's uh, it's it's really um uh, it's really done well with whatever they got from SemiCube.
0: And you're right, Brian. I haven't touched it. I have physically have not even run it. But if I had to buy today, I would probably buy it just just because of what you just said. Everyone likes it. Everyone who has touched it has said, you know, glowing reviews. You know, and it's different. It's got the LED. It's got the flashy LED on it. It's got... The really slick, you know, quick release that you can undo with one finger, you know, it's got all this new stuff. And, you know, uh, but I I really like to hear Bino's perspective on the software and hardware behind it. Um, And that is a little eye opening. So um, we need to keep that in mind.
1: All right, this next one was kind of a quick hit review that I can definitely talk about since I'm in VR all the time. Uh, Gavin Arnold posted that he likes how the Alt-K option allows you to move your button boxes around, but he noted that he couldn't see certain boxes unless they were active. And we've covered this before, but it's always nice to hear it again. And in a reply to the thread, uh, let me go ahead and give credit for the reply, Adrian Clark um, gives you the specific instructions of of going into the render dx11 monitor file or it may not be monitor if you don't use monitor. In fact in fact for me it's a different file being in VR. But you you go into your render DX11 files and you change force visible move to one. And that will show everything when you go back into iRacing. Um, that way, you can see things that are not normally used, and some some things you didn't even might not have even known existed because you've never seen them pop up. Uh, so, yes, I do have this option enabled. Uh, so it's just a good review. Thank you, Adrian, for having that information quick and handy uh, on a reply to the quote instead of trolling the guy like some people might do on the forums.
0: Yeah, uh, and David Tucker gives us a reason why they they purposely hide. Some of these elements, he says. "Quote: The only reason this is not on by default is because it forces every obscure little UI element visible, even ones used for trade show and other specializations. It is very ugly. someday we will make this simpler to use, but for now, that is the right answer."
1: Maybe they should put it in a graphics option instead of having to dig into the ini file.
0: Well, check mark or something.
3: Yeah, I mean, there's always. There's so much stuff that's that's buried in the I, and I file. But um, I, I I don't run VR, but running triples. Uh, it's nice to be able to to grab that stuff and move it around. Um, that's a huge thing, um, you know, depending on where your wheel is. The default for like the voice chat for me is like right behind my steering wheel. So I can't see who's talking. Um, so it's nice to be able to, to grab that stuff and move it around. And I actually moved my relative box over like right above my right below my part of my
1: rear view mirror because uh it was out of focus with my my vr because the the gear the reverb gear has a sweet spot right and if you're off to the side it's a little bit out of focus so i put it in the center just so it was more more readable
3: well i I can tell you like you know being in triples if you're in a gt3 car the normal black box is going to be directly in front of where the rear view camera is on uh, any of the GT3 cars. So it's nice to be able to grab that box and move it to the side.
0: I do something probably nobody else does. There's a little box that shows your, graphically, your throttle, brake, clutch, and then this little steering wheel. I put that dead center of the center monitor right in the view of my racing line. I don't know why, but just seeing that all the time as I'm racing helps me. I I don't know if it's the visual, my foot's on the brake. I see my foot's on the brake, you know, kind of thing. Uh, I don't know why, but it just helps me.
1: Mine sits up right under the mirror, kind of in the, it's still sort of in the center, but a little bit more off to the right because my relative box is in the middle. Where, but binds up there where it's easy to see too it's also helpful to know if your your pedal is starting to act weird or something you, you can see if it's starting to not Pedal's dragging or
0: something right
2: or you're dragging your foot on the pedal and it's and it's pushing it in a little bit that happens sometimes too
3: yeah, and I think we forget sometimes that everybody likes their stuff a little bit different, whether you're running on a single monitor, triples, VR, whatever. Everybody has um, preferences, and it's nice to be able to grab those, uh, the UI or those, those UI, grab those boxes and move them around.
0: I posted just this week, I think, uh, in the chat, guys, uh, my app, INI, I, as far as the, what I call the gyro view on my triples, where it you don't where you lock your you don't lock your head to the horizon, which is opposite what most people do. And then when you you're on a bank track, the whole uh, horizon shifts when normally it doesn't. I I'm trying to get Justin and J- uh, John to try that on their triples. I don't know if they have yet, but this is their reminder to give it a shot.
3: I think I tried that years ago. I didn't care for it.
0: It takes some getting used to, I mean, at first you'll think, Oh God, how can I drive it like this? But after a while you'll see that you can visually see the car move underneath you visually see it. Um, cause your, your head is locked solid to the horizon and as the car goes over the bumps and stuff, you can visually see it as you feel it in the wheel and so forth. So I like it. It's just one of those cues, you know, it's a visual cue to tell you what the car is doing.
1: Hey Brian, have you been feeling a little tense lately?
2: No, I'm feeling okay, Dave. I'm on vacation this week, so I'm good. But I did—we uh, did get a um, a video, that's a little tweezer from Qubit Systems that they're coming out with their new QSBT1, which is a dual-channel direct-drive, direct-drive seatbelt tensioning system. So uh, it's uh, like uh, similar to the um, the. Uh, sim experience uh g belt except this one does not mount right behind your seat like the g belt does this one looks like it mounts all the way at the bottom i think g belt can do that one too if you don't have the the g seat that mounts directly back there as well but um but yeah so it looks like a new new seat belt tensioning systems coming on the market pretty soon uh from qubit systems
0: so what do they need to do brian differently from sim experience to be a winner I, it's got to be the sound right the sound of the sim experience was the big drawback right it's too loud
2: yeah this, that is a loud one um I, and that's part of the reason why i went to headphones because all the sounds that were going on around me so um yeah I, I, the sound uh, blowing the sound would be nice i think it would help if it is behind the seat on the floor you know real low like this one uh, looks like it mounts um it's a little further away from your head so it's not quite is bad that away. way um, but I think uh, the sim experience being up behind your shoulders, I think works better, because this one's going to be pulling down, you know, through the holes in the back of your seat, and I don't think that gives you quite as much, um, you might lose something there, because it's pulling down against that seat, and not straight back behind your uh, shoulders. So um, that's the only drawback to the low installation type like this one I, I, I have seen. But um, yeah, it's still, I mean, I know Cubit system makes good stuff. I still think it could probably still be a nice system as well. And you got to make sure you have long belts too if you're putting, mounting it down there. Some of the belts are not long enough to do that.
3: All right. So I don't have motion. I don't have haptics or anything. Why do I want to get a belt tensioner? because it's cool <laughs>
2: it's, it's it's it does not i would not say it it does a whole lot as far as giving you any kind of uh meaningful input it's really just a immersion thing you know just an added layer of immersion um you know it gives you tugs tugs on you as you as you're hitting the brakes real hard um it it, it it's uh as you're running over bumps and stuff it 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 you you get that feeling like you're in a seatbelt that's actually and you're moving around inside the seatbelt. Um, yeah, you can you I can get a little bit a more,
0: more.
2: Yeah, you can get a little bit more useful information from motion than you can on that because it can help you with some wheel slip type stuff. But um, but this is I would say is more immersion than anything.
1: Now, Brad, you you were gone when, when he upgraded his rig, but Mike has non-tensioned seat belts. He literally just buckles in when he's racing.
0: Yeah, I have actual real racing belts on my seat, and I strap in six-point harness, as tight as I can be, but it just holds me in the, the chair so I don't flop around like a fish, like I usually do. Um, it actually helps quite a bit. Um, I I highly recommend belts. Now I don't, to to Brad's point, if you don't have motion and everything else, I don't see the point of this. I think this is the device that you buy when you already have everything else. You already have the motion, you already have everything else. You're like, oh God, what, what do I do next? Oh, this is it right here.
3: So Mike, have you had instances where you've fallen out of your rig?
0: No, but i've I've had times where i'm I'm lifting my lower back or my buttock up off the the chair as I break uh hard into the corner or I'm I'm twisting to one side or something like that, you know, that's what I do. Yeah.
2: It keeps you from doing that real hard lean too. Um, that's really not the best thing to be doing in, in your cars. You're leaning real hard to the left or right as you're as you're making turns. You know, you want to stay steady and, and consistent that way.
3: I don't have that right. problem. <laughs> Neither do I. <laughs>
0: I just akin it to like it's holding my torso saw in a, in one spot and my legs and arms are free to move, you know, freely.
1: Is there a website with the with a registry where we can check and see if there's a band called floppy fish?
0: Idle idea. Write that down so we right, don't forget right, at the end of the show. I already show.
1: did. I already did.
3: <laughs> all right. Next up, Brad, is the Sim Magic Shifter review. Yeah, so OC Racing reviews the uh, SimMagic DS8XH Pattern and Sequential Shifter. I think we talked about this last week. This is another review. Um, You know, it touches on a lot of the same things that we talked about last week, and I don't remember who did the review last week, but... um, You know, good shifter, Um, a little bit different with the way you get into reverse and seventh and all that stuff. He brings up the issue again, that it's not quiet. Um, And I made a statement last week and I I need to kind of backtrack a little bit. Um, I looked at this shifter when I was buying all my stuff And every review I read said how loud it was. So, I said, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and I'll go back with the the Fanatec uh, Club Sport Shifter, which is what I had before. And I've worn headphones forever. And so, I watched the review last week and I said, you know, I wonder how loud the Club Sport is. So, I took my headphones off and I went, oh, my gosh, this thing is so loud so I'm not sure magic <laughs> I'm not sure the same magic may not be uh, quieter than the uh than the club sport but uh this thing's got good reviews um a little bit pricey um but I, I think if you're if you're looking you know for a sequential and h pattern together uh, it's, a, it's a good option
2: you know, I, I, when I watched this video I watched uh, I saw somebody else mention the same thing about it and this is um that You know, it has a tension adjustment screw on the back side of it, so you can make it a little harder to move around in H-Pattern. Well, if you leave it pretty hard in H-Pattern and you switch to sequential, when you push up or back to shift gears, it stays stuck in that spot. So sometimes, if you you like a real hard H-Pattern, when you go to switch to sequential, you might have to loosen that screw again in order to get the... um, Get the uh, the knob to snap back to the center position. You'll push up and lock in there. So um, it's it's not the end of the world by any means, but uh, it was just something I, I'd noticed in, in two separate reviews now that I saw that uh, you got to be a little careful of. And it also has that interesting system for for pulling up on the on the paddle which is attached to the stem to get it to reverse in seventh and eighth like brad was saying which is a little different but most people said it's fine for reserve for reverse it's a little clunky for seventh and eighth but i mean how many how many cars you're going to drive to have a seventh and eighth gear that you're using an h pattern on it's probably probably doesn't happen that often anyway um so yeah so um just for uh Just for disclosure, I actually purchased one of these last week, not long after the show, because I'm getting rid of my Fanatec because I want a sequential shifter and an H pattern in one, and this and the um, Fanatec is terrible for that. Uh, Even though it does both, it never works for me when I switch it from one back to the other. I always have problems, so I'm getting rid of that um, Fanatec, and this is the one I went with, um, and. uh, I, I, am not going to do the, uh, the bazooka shifter. It's just too much money. And and right now they don't have a a, a sequential version yet. So who knows when that would be out. So I'm going to save about a thousand bucks and get this one instead.
0: I, 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 think this is a good buy. Um, especially when you have the combination, you know, sequential and eight shift all in one package, you can mount this baby and just be done with gear with shifting, you know, completely.
2: Right. I wanted an age pattern because I really like that in some of the older uh, NASCAR stuff. But I also didn't want to start a new season off with without a sequential. And I think it's a little clunky to have both of them on your rig. So I'd rather have it just in one. And uh, so that's where I decided to go. Go with this one. Um, yeah. So we'll see. I'll, I'll let you know how well it works when I get it. And another yeah, thing that was nice about this one, it's a direct plug and play. You don't have to go through the SimMagic magic software with the H pattern shifter. You can do plug and play with this.
3: Well, let me know how it is. I do like it's a smaller footprint. You'll notice than the uh, the Fanatec, um, which I think is a plus. So I'll be curious to see what kind of review you give us, uh,
0: Brian. Yep,
3: I'll let you know. All right, Mike, it's been out for
1: a little while. This cheap, cheap direct drive wheel has a review.
0: The Camus C5 Direct Drive is a two hundred and fifty dollars, I think, <laughs> and uh, we actually have a couple different videos uh, reviewing this. There's obviously they're pushing them out to the YouTube reviewers, and um, for what it is, uh, they like it. You know, um, you can't beat the price. <laughs> you know, for for what you're getting. You know, and they throw in a, a set of pedals too. You know, you can get the, the cheap pedals to go with it. Um, I think this is a better value than Logitech, like a nine twenty seven, you know, or, a, or whatever Logitech sells, or a Thrustmaster, the cheap Thrustmaster one. I think Camus has really narrowed in on that market now. I think the only drawback is the size of it, the diameter. I mean, it's a very small wheel. Uh, it's the same size as a Logitech. Um, but compared to uh, what I would call the, uh, all the modern direct drive, you know, rims and wheels and stuff, it it looks small.
1: Yeah, but it's perfect for, for a, literally your first wheel. I mean, imagine if this had been our first wheel instead of that G25.
0: Right. You're right. It, it is a good first wheel to get started with. And, uh, I think Camus. I think the next thing they need is distribution. I mean, they got to get it in micro center and some of these places, you know, where its eyeballs are on it.
1: Yes, because this is a this is an item that would sell in that kind of market a lot better than than you know you're not going to sell a, Best a Buy, right?
0: You're not going to a...
3: sell a DD two at at micro center. I don't think. Watching the uh, these reviews, it's a, it's an interesting wheel. I mean the. The direct drive is actually in the wheel so you know you've got these like two prongs that hold the wheel steady and then the actual direct drive is in the the wheel itself so it's not like a separate wheel where you're pulling it off a base or anything like that so i thought that was rather
0: interesting there's no shaft in other words right it's, it's this opposite thing going on yeah if you can imagine it's a it's a, a very unique design i mean before we saw this thing It never in a million years occurred to me that this could, this could be a product.
1: All right, I got this next one. Uh, YouTuber Dr. Alan Kwan he compares different triple wide monitor setups versus ultra wide displays, and he actually what he had was triple triple ultra wide, uh, regular triple, and super ultra wide, super ultra yeah. Well, it wasn't just curved. There was a, they were actually ultra wides. So he had triple ultra wide, but they tend to be shorter. And then he had regular uh, ratio triples, and he had a super ultra wide. And he just basically took some took a replay of a car, a, a friend of his overtaking him and through some corners and showing the difference of when you lose track of the car visually on one setup to to another. And it, it was a great side-by-side comparison of how much more you can see on the side with the triple setup versus the, the ultra-wide setup. So um, I, I hate to show this to a couple of our guys who bought the ultra-wides, but the triples are definitely w- way
3: better. Agree agree 100%. I mean, if you're in the, if you're thinking about going with triples or you're thinking about versus an ultra wide, you need to watch this video and especially you need to watch if you're going to think about doing triples and going with an ultra wide for the triple versus just a standard, like a 32 inch, you know, the amount of vertical room that you get is huge. Um, you watch the video and you, you can see how much more vertical um, space you get. He even says, I mean, it's almost... Um, um. What did he? What was the word he used? He said claustrophobic, didn't he? Yes. he, said yes, he exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Claustrophobic. Um. And you can watch it. Um. Just an absolutely perfect video if you're in the market and you're thinking about what you want to do you need to watch this because it just lays it out exactly you know if you go to the ultra wide you're giving up a lot um, for all of us that started on single monitors way back in the day I mean it's just what you got used to you got used to you know having a I can remember using paddles to look left and right because that's all you had um, and then to go to triple so just a really good video if you're trying to figure out what you want to do
0: yeah you i really like this guy's youtube channel i've only we've only seen a couple of his videos on the show so far but um very uh in depth like he has this video shot where he has all three rigs on the screen at the same time with the same instant of the race and so you can really compare what the fov is or what the view is and so on the single monitor you can't even see the car next to you at all. And, and, and so when you look over to the right at the triples, you can totally see the guy right next to you on the right. And, and it really is telling like, wow, this really opens it up where I could race, you know, side by side without wrecking. And I can actually know where they're at. And it really shows that visually, uh, you know, when when you talk about it and read about it, it's one thing, but when you see it, it's another.
1: Now, using the, using a JRT visual spotter is a good substitute, cheap substitute. Um, and I mean, with VR, I can look over as well, but I most of the time don't have to because I can tell by the arrow on my on my es- essentially radar w- whether I'm gaining on the guy or not about the only thing you look for is to see how much room he might be giving you. let see if he's letting you come up the track. That's about the only time you really need to look if you have the JRT visual spotter.
0: Yeah. So I love JRT visual spotter, even on my triples because it, so basically it puts these little arrows on the screen on the left or the right side. If there's a car on the left or the right of you, um, if they're, they're not on the side of you, they're behind you, then the arrows down below. And so you can see the arrow moving across the screen and about to get to up to the side of you. So you can see the moment they're approaching you, at what rate they're approaching you. And then when the arrow switches over to the side, you know they're side by side with you. And so I can't uh, recommend it enough. Like David said, it's like having radar.
3: Well, again, I would just go back to again. If you're if you're thinking about triples and you're thinking about using a 27 traditional or going with an ultra wide, just look at the difference in the vertical um, display you've got. Um, you know. When I built the new rig, I went with 27s, and it came from 22s back in the day because you couldn't get a graphics card to power 27s. Um, but just the the difference in the height in the vertical is is so huge. Um, I mean, you can see it really, you know, you're running. The, he's running the side by side, and you can see like the you can see trees in the the ultra wide. But then when he he switches to 32, you can see the tops of the trees. So that, I mean, that's how much vertical um, headroom you're you're gaining when if you go with a with a larger monitor
0: agreed ultra wides on triple or it was a bad idea
2: yeah um, I sent this video to our teammate Tyler Williamson because he and I went to the local Microsoft that's closest to us together and they have the f- setup up there with a uh, with their rig and they use the ultra wide you know like a super ultra wide um, monitor on there and and when in their in their display setup you, it, that's all you needed because it's there's no other cars racing with you it's just you on the track and it almost and it kind of got Tyler thinking maybe I you know I was focused in the center of this monitor I never really looked at the the peripheral vision of uh, of the Altaride ride and uh, but but it's it looks and this video really shows you that how much difference it makes when you're in traffic as opposed to um, when you're just standing by yourself. By yourself, it would not be a problem at all. I think to do uh, this ultra wide setup, the single monitor, but but now that we've seen this, and um, I'm kind of going to try to nudge him towards uh, going triples instead of the long extra wide because it it does show so much more when when the cars are next to you.
3: Well, it's it's more, even more than just cars. I mean, if you if you do any road racing, you know, when you're going into a left-hand corner and if you've got triples or even in VR, you can look to the left. So, you're looking, you know, you're looking past the apex of a corner. So, that makes a huge difference when it comes to, to how you're going to, you know, you're looking for an exit point of that corner as opposed to just looking directly in front of you where if the car is pointed.
0: Oh, yeah
2: yep yeah i sent that to him as soon as i saw this video because it's exactly where he's, his dilemma is right now like i said I'm, I'm gonna try to encourage him to do triples instead of the singles all
1: right i don't like this next one uh at all um but i think it actually is maybe pointing down the road i've been reading through the comments as you were talking um listener troy eaton has sent us a story that microsoft might be shutting down windows mixed reality um and he also says is VR going the wrong direction, and the answer is yes. Um, but several of the several of the platforms only run on Windows Mixed Reality. They don't have their own drivers. So it would, it, if it actually was removed and where I, it would not allow me to use it, then it, I would it would put turn my reverb into a brick now as i've been reading it looks like it's probably going to happen with future versions so it's just not going to be included with windows 12 i don't see why they would actually turn it off and basically make people quit using it um so it may just be something that's not supported in the future just like older versions of windows are not supported anymore yeah, I'm
2: hoping that's what it is too, Dave. Um, it doesn't seem like it would make sense for them to completely get rid of anything like that. Another thing in the in the um, thread this, they mention a lot is um, this, like, cause if they're not going to do this, they really need to open source it so so uh, third party people can come in and, and do their own thing for for that VR um, mixed reality stuff.
0: Yeah, at the link that they provided uh, to the Microsoft page, here's what it says. WMR is depreciated and will be removed in a future release of Windows. This depreciation includes the Mixed Reality Portal app and the Windows Mixed Reality for Steam VR and Steam VR Beta.
1: So, future version, does that mean a, f- a future update or a future version like Windows 12?
0: I guess we'll find out. So, you're saying if they actually do remove it, this kills VR for you? You wouldn't be able to use it?
1: Yeah. And if they, if they did that, that that would be um, that might even be an antitrust situation if they were actually
3: to block it. So all right, I'm going to plead ignorance here. Don't do VR. But I know there's all kinds of different VR stuff coming out. Is it so Windows like when you we were going through stuff last night with JRT is what you were showing is that the Windows augmented reality.
1: I was running Windows Mixed Reality with Steam VR because Steam VR has good over the the ability to drag those overlays and float them in that specific spot is built is not built into Windows Mixed Reality very well, but it is built into Steam VR really well. So I use Steam VR when I'm racing. I don't use OpenXR, which which doesn't have as good of uh,
3: capabilities to drag and drop overlays. So with like Apple is supposedly releasing some sort of VR thing or whatever it was. I think you guys talked about that some months ago. Um, that wouldn't run through a Windows platform. Windows has to support that specific item with would, would run through the Windows Mixed Reality. I don't know, but I don't know about Apple. I know that Valve Index, you have to have Steam.
1: Uh, this the uh, reverb is open VR. I don't know about the, the, uh, the, the Vive or, or the, um, the, any of the newer ones. Are they open to VR as well, uh, Brian? Or do they just use WMR?
2: Uh, I know you can bypass Steam with the Pimax, um, and I think you can do it through their software. So I don't think you have to run it through uh, WMR.
1: So if if Pimax has their own software, it won't affect affect the Pi So it may be correct. Right. That may be the route that some of us end up having to take. But I I won't upgrade out of Windows eleven if if they leave it available on Windows eleven. I don't think they're going to be. I really don't think they're going to pull it, disable the app, complete you know, and and take it out. I think they're just going to stop supporting it, it with new
0: releases. Yeah, but companies like HP and What was that one big screen? The real little ones. I mean, well, it doesn't. HP stopped manufacturing
1: it anyway. HP's not making the reverb anymore.
0: So, is this doomsday for the sim racers that uses VR?
1: (laughs) If they are not using, um, no, it's just it's going to be really inconvenient and expensive, is what it's going to be because you're going to have to go to with with one of the other programs that doesn't use uh, Windows Mixed Reality
0: all right more to come on that one
3: all right brad what about sim magic gt neo with maglink so we've talked the last couple of weeks about um you know the house magic's only been on the market for a few years but they just continue to bring out new stuff um they've uh They've got a new wheel coming out. It's called the GT Neo, um, and then they've also they're also releasing uh, something called MagLink. Um, so the GT Neo is a crafted by Carbon Fiber Excellence, achieves a perfect balance of lightweight, strength, style. Um, good looking wheel, uh, 289 bucks. Um, so it's, it's it's a different type of carbon fiber. It's not the traditional where you'd have the actual carbon fiber layers and stuff. Um, but good looking wheel, um, really liked it. Uh, I've got the GT4 myself, and uh, if this had been out, I'd have gone with this. Um, so but then I do like the idea of the Maglink. So, with, with SimMagic, again, it's an ecosystem, um, but this the Maglink would allow you to use a SimMagic uh wheel with any base, so um, pretty pretty neat. Um, again, just you know as a company that's only been around for i think a few years they continue to come up with some some really cool stuff
0: oh uh, the name maglink does that mean somehow it's magnetic
3: yeah so from what i could tell um you know there's a piece on the back of the wheel with the connectors magnetic and then the piece that would go to the base um the the adapter or whatever you know is magnetic or however it connects so they've been releasing kind of pictures you know over the last few days uh describing things a little bit more um you know but some some pretty pretty neat stuff coming down the pike
0: and that wheel has got almost like a camo look to it camouflage uh on the front, I really like the look of that.
3: Yeah, it's a, it's a different way. I was reading some of the comments about it, and it's a it's a different way to do carbon fiber um, as opposed to the traditional, you know, cross hatch that you'd have. Um, the way that they do this, it's a little bit cheaper, I guess. But I mean, you know, two eighty nine for a wheel that, again, it's got. Probably twice as many button options that I've got in the GT4 that I paid I don't know almost five hundred dollars for.
0: Yeah, it's a nice looking Formula wheel for under three hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah. So Magic is uh, still cranking it out.
1: Well, let's keep cranking out the reviews, Mike. We get the GT Omega Art cockpit.
0: Yeah, uh, Donnie's favorite reviewer Carl Gosling reviews the twenty twenty four GT Omega Art cockpit and answers if it may be the best entry-level SIM rig. And look guys, this is the one I usually pick on, I think because the monitor is so far away from the wheel. <laughs> but the readied, the earlier versions of this, the, the uprights that the monitor mounted to was actually backed by the pedals, or is even farther back. Well, in this version, they got it more at the front of the, the pe- uh, pedals, more like where your heel might sit is where the upright goes for the monitor. But it's still a good foot away from the back of the wheelbase.
1: Well, it doesn't even really have a monitor mount, does it? You have to put it up against a wall or something else?
0: Well, you can mount that. See the uprights that go up and down? You can put a monitor on top of those, apparently, with the optional mount. Um, the other thing that Carl... You know really brought out was man, this thing's got some flex, and you know, with any entry level cockpit, you're going to have flex. Um, this is quite a bit.
3: Watching this, I was reminded of uh, the Oboto I had, um, very similar, you know, construction. Um, thought that thing was pretty stiff, uh, until the current track racer TR 160. I mean, I cannot imagine running a direct drive on an Oboto, um, or even a high powered. I mean, I've got gonna- to. The Sim Magic Alpha, which is fifteen newton meters, I can't imagine hooking that up to, to this. Um, yeah, the Flex was was pretty crazy, but again, an entry level. I don't think it's a lot of money, um, you know. And, and again, if we think back, a lot of us have been doing this for many years. You know, we kind of there was an evolution along the way, you know, from a from bolting something to a desk to finally getting you know to an actual cockpit cockpit. Um, but, yeah, so not, not a bad option, I think, if you're just starting. But I think there's better options out there.
1: I think you're almost better off price-wise bolting to the desk until you can get
3: a, a, an 80-20 rig. I went straight from desk to 8020. Yeah, I was desk to an Oboto. Um, The whatever, the the first Ozone, I think. It was Ozone and Revolution, I think, were the two. Um, And I thought the Ozone was, was just as solid as solid could be. And looking back now, I'm like, yeah, no, not at all.
0: Well, back then when we bought those rigs, they were the best thing money could buy, Brad.
3: Yeah, they were. I mean, we were using club sport wheels, so you know they were belt driven wheels. So there wasn't a ton of uh, uh, you know of 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 motion with that. Um, no, you're right. They they were good, but I mean, I can remember having to modify. Um, this whole I bought these long bolts in order to, to take and move the screens closer to me on the Oboto because it was so far away I bought these like eight inch bolts and was running you know nuts on both sides and I had modified everything to get the the, the screens like six inches closer to me so it, it was maddening what we went through back then
0: yeah I had the revolution I went from desk to Oboto revolution and then eventually to the simlab p1x.
2: Yeah, I'm i same as Dave. I went from a computer desk rate to
1: 8020. Um, haven't looked back since then. All right, we've got a review of the new Club Sport DD from Fanatec. This is the the one that's kind of they're trying to put us in as their mid range. And uh, since I'm currently in the the Fanatec system, I wanted to get a, get a watch on this one and see if he brought up customer service or anything. He did not. In fact, he he pointed out one of the reasons that it might be so much more expensive than all of the other comparable drives is because you get access to the whole Fanatec ecosystem. Um, He mentioned uh, something that they have that's similar to the TrueForce that Logitech came up with. I I may be getting my brand, my my names mixed up, but it has a new uh, force feedback system that incorporates sound instead of just telemetry. Into the force feedback system, and that's apparently what is going into the into the to the Logitech system as well. Um, He said otherwise, it was pretty comparable to the other others, and they were all about the same. He said the, the the true force was a a neat slight feeling. However, if you do not have the quick release two system, it drops to eight newton meters. It will not run 12 newton m- meters unless you have quick release two installed. So it, you'll have to change all of your old rims if you were to buy this option. Um, I guess that's no big deal if you're you're getting new options. Um, and he mentions that save the higher us, price save
0: us Fanatec, attack from ourselves, please save us.
1: Yeah, so, well, it may not be the the, a, the old quick release may not just be able to handle that, even though you could have it on a on a DD two. Right. Which is pop pumping. What? 20. Right, that's the joke. 25.
0: I mean, it's a joke.
1: Um, and he, he, mentions that the higher prices, cause you get access to all, all the, um, the, the customer service. But, uh, I think we've hit it pretty hard. And I just saw a post actually from, from a, 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 guy who's, who's the, um, whose name might be familiar, ordered a part for Christmas. They canceled the order on him and turned around and said, they're sending it to somebody else. Um, I, at this point, I think their customer service has gone to shit completely. I won't be buying anything from them for sure. Um, so I can't recommend them even though that we we do have this review together it's it is it is stuff that if they were in America, they would be getting sued at this point with the way they're treating customers. They would be looking at class action lawsuits. In fact, and and problems from the Better Business Bureau.
0: But you're right, David. The last several months, there's been a lot of customer complaints we've seen in Facebook about uh, not getting product, you know, getting orders canceled, um, that kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, I can't recommend buying Fanatec right now either. Even though this product is, it looks like it's a decent uh, direct drive wheel. Um, who knows if you'll actually get it if you place your order? That's the that's the problem.
3: But the other, the other comparable wheels are two hundred dollars cheaper, or re, or bases. Yeah, I mean it's it's not the cheap it's not the cheapest option. It's probably not the best option. And again, um, you know, I guess YouTube reviewers can get the ones that are being canceled for the people that have paid money. Would be my guess. Um, but I think Dave, you were talking about uh, whatever the. True forces. I think it's basically like a haptic uh, along with the motion, you know, as, as as long with the direct drive is is what I understand. Is, it's more of a, a haptic option, a vibration that goes along with it.
1: Yeah, it, it incorporates data from the sound of the of the sim instead of just the telemetry. Whereas whereas the original force feedback is all coming from telemetry. Yeah,
3: I, I just feel bad for people that have that have put orders in, and again, it's going to be probably months before they get whatever they're looking for. Uh, it's a shame. It's an absolute shame.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm in your your boat, Dave. Um, if 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 something happens to my Fantech stuff, I'm not going to get it again. I'll get something else. But I'm just hoping it lasts a while. That's all. <laughs>
0: Results. Let's talk racing results. uh, Starting with the Winter Series League. David, you were wrecked out.
1: Do we have to talk about it? Can we we just end the show now? (laughs) Because that's about how long my race lasted. We had practice and everything practice for an hour i had this place figured out i had the i had the third fastest 20 lap average and a guy in the front but like p4 p5 I, I never looked it up somebody in the front gets loose knocks the guy the other guy in the wall I, I bounce off of him to the left and get destroyed by somebody from behind who probably never had a chance to react game over i tried to drive it but it had a it had a toe out on one of the toes. So there was this dead space in the middle where where it would just go whatever direction it wanted, no matter where I turned the wheel. And it, it was just getting too hard to drive. And, and I didn't want to spend an hour. They even had a prize for the last place still running, but it, it was not worth $5 to sit there and endure that for an hour and a half. So I, went, I got off and, and went and did other things.
0: Yeah, I think it's fascinating how iRacing can model broken steering like you just described where there's this big dead spot in the middle, you know, they break it where it feels like it's broken, you know, like you have to turn the wheel like a, you know, a third of a way this way before it even catches, you know.
1: I'd have to turn it enough to make the corner, and but but then if I was holding it there as I was getting ready to straighten out. It would straighten out too much and go right for the wall every time and i'd have to jerk it back over again because it would it was misaligned and would peel out to the right because i'm pretty pretty sure i got hit in the front left and so that wheel was probably
0: pointing the wrong direction hey brad wren p14
3: yeah uh p14 it kind of got what i served um you know we we had a Early caution with, with Dave. And then we ended up with a long run made um, Green Flag stops. I really didn't even want to stop the Green Flag. I was running down the guys ahead of me. Um, you know, it was a lot quicker. But we ended up with a caution with about, uh, I think, 18 to go or so. And every restart, I was stuck on the outside. And I could not get through one and two without breaking loose. Um, I think I restarted 10th and just about lost the car. I mean, I probably wrecked it three times, just never spun. Um, you know, ended up 14th, um, but again, kind of got what I deserved. You know what? I, I got to say, that, you know, I got, a, I think, a ninth last week at Gateway, and I was I was happy with that. But we're, you know, this league, you're running against some, some really quick guys. Um, so I'm, I'm happy to be somewhere in that top 15 um, against the, the competition that we've got in that league. I'm pretty happy with that.
0: It is pretty stiff. Um, I think the, it was a set. I mean, I came in there with no practice, and as I usually do, but we're running fixed uh, setups in this league. But the this, this set was where you you couldn't even turn the steering wheel. Like The steering ratio needed to turn up quite a bit, in my opinion. And if I had practiced, I probably would have turned it up all the way. But I felt like in the corner, I was just barely turning that wheel. And if I, I turned it more than... More than that, you were over rotating and spinning out, and so uh, that was my problem. Uh, in my race, I got a P26. I hit the wall hard. Uh, it was three minutes twenty seconds damage. I almost collected you, Brad. You were right behind me uh, when I killed the wall. But after that, you know, after I couldn't get, I, there was no time to get it fixed. There were no cautions, and so I was just limping it home.
1: I think if you had turned the steering ratio up, you would have been even worse off because the set was not loose it was tight it was tight 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 push loose snap loose is what it was and, and you could see it in the tire where if you ran a long run the right front was wearing and hotter than the rear it's just with that long corner that's basically a uniform corner till you get to the transition we're, we're, we're kind of more used to the d-shape ovals this is a different kind of oval and if you have too much will into it when it grabs it would spin you, the trick was going slow enough that you didn't have to use that much will and that was the real trick to going fast enough and you were talking about how you were hitting the chip um i never hit the chip all night so i i think you would have been i think you would have melted your tire off if you'd cranked that steering ratio up in 20 laps
0: justin he ran p16 good race same as brad got what i deserve she was slick Okay, moving on to winter NIS, Justin. Uh, he ran three open races, P1, P8, P2 at the end of the week, still leading the series by only eight points. Fixed, I only ran two races, a P5 and a P8. I did decent, still leading the points on the fix by 35 at the end of the Watkins Glen week. Gained 343 I rating, and now I'm a couple tenths below my A license. A productive week
3: yeah justin is uh he's doing really well with the uh winner nis
0: look that's a prestigious series I, I keep telling him if he can win that championship that's saying something i mean uh he's already won watson watkins Glen, his first road race and to win it in winter nis that, that's even more impressive so well done other racing i ran Draftmaster. It was Gen 5 at Daytona. Hey, that's my bread and butter, boys. But I got ran over from behind when I was trying to save tires, P16. Look, you gotta you gotta let off the gas getting into the corners at Daytona or you, your tires won't last three laps. I mean, and so I get off the gas and let it roll in and the guy behind me, he thinks he's in Gen 7 or something. He just holds down the throttle and just plows right through. Uh, then I ran Chris McGuire Hosted. It was the old IndyCar at Charlotte. I actually got wrecked out running third. Then it was Supercars at Michigan P10. And then I ran an official, the Indy Pro 2000 at Gateway. Qualified 9th out of 17th. Finished P11. Got what I deserved. I got to tell you what, this is a neat combination. It's really hard to drive because you got to... You almost got to hold the throttle down full getting into the corner. You just lift a little bit to set the nose. And uh, it's really hard to to replicate every lap. And uh, and everyone was a little bit better than me at doing that. I kind of felt like a, a rookie over there. All right, Brad, how about the weekly race challenge?
3: Yeah, so still continuing to uh, try to run all 12 weeks in this. So had ran another race at the uh, at Olden Park with the uh, the Ray FF 1600. Started P15, you know, avoided some of the early spuns. Um, the problem is that guys, you know, that are ahead of you, they spin and then they come back and they're just driving super aggressive. Um, yeah, real really frustrating race. They got up to about ninth or tenth. They got wrecked, um, you know, just uh, just i'm just i'm frustrated with losing tons of sr just continue to get you know caught up in other guys stuff i mean before the start of the race i've already done with the 4x because guys behind you just can't understand that the field checks up and everybody just plows into each other and uh you know we take the checkered flag and a guy runs over top of me i, I just don't understand it so just a it's a very frustrating thing but want to try something different um, but i got to do something to get my sr up before daytona i just i'm if I have a couple more bad races, I will probably drop out of my A, a license on road. It's just real frustrating.
0: Uh, I ran SRF at Southern National, P9, and then A Open, Brad, P4.
3: Yeah, I had a really good race at, uh, at Indy. Um, you know, worked off. I think I used a Pocono set. Um, had the wrong gear in it, but um, you yeah, know, was having a really good race. They got into the lead. Really had probably the fastest car. Uh, took the lead coming off two, uh, went into three, and just got dumped. Just flat out dumped. Uh, super frustrated. Um, got my damage fixed, and then drove back from 14th all the way to fourth. Um, you know, really, really. A good race uh, i'm very nervous about the real race here because i think it's <laughs> everybody's excited to get off the road course but i think we're going to see the same thing we saw years ago uh you know with with nascar at indy it's going to be frustrating it was very hard to pass um you really had to set guys up and it took multiple corners to, to finally get a, a a pass done so but uh just happy with a fourth
0: yeah that sounds like a good run if you didn't get wrecked you might have won it uh david hall p2 in imsa
1: yeah i ran i ran a few races at le mans this week and uh finally got a good result i had a few bad ones that were mostly out of my control this one uh after we got through the pit cycle i was one second behind the leader and uh just he just stayed ahead of me the whole time never could gain any ground and he never made any mistakes um but this is the place you need to be if you wanna gain safety rating, cause I've gotten like two points of safety rating back there. There's not many, it's a long track and there's not many places to get off tracks. So, and if you get, and if you do get involved in an accident, you're only gonna get involved in one and you're probably not gonna keep running. So you generally leave that track with only zero to four X.
0: Okay, let's get into final thoughts, David Hall.
1: Uh, come to our race. Uh, we're not going to put a password up, but I, that's why I'm leaving the the practice time a little bit limited so it doesn't fill up too much. Uh, but Friday, tomorrow, uh, about 8.20 Eastern, the server will go up, and it's just going to be a fun goofball race. Damage and cautions are both off, uh, but prize for the cleanest racer, or or random chance, but the cleanest racer has the best chance.
0: All right, sounds fun. I will be there. Brian McCubbin, final thought.
2: Uh, so, um, yeah, just give you a quick update, my computer is working fine. I got everything installed properly, I think. Um, I'm in the process of doing all the hardware and software updates and settings and all that stuff. So hopefully by this weekend, I'll be back on the track. So looking forward to it, see what the this new headset looks like with the Pimax and uh, getting into the system
3: again. It's been been too long. Can't wait.
0: we're happy to get you back on track and then brad wren final thought
3: uh just looking forward to getting a few more uh a opens done uh continuing with the the weekly racing series and then as we're starting to try to plan for the daytona 24 uh try to get a group of guys together and uh get some plans straight and uh looking forward to having a little little bit of fun having to run a 24-hour race in many many years and uh super excited about being able to do it again
0: all right Uh, my final thoughts uh Today I went to run Winter NIS at Rockingham. I kind of trying to get back into that series. I I missed the first half of it when I was moving, but um, as I went in to test ahead of time or practice, I had a problem with my wheel. I kept I, I'd I'd go down the the straightaway and I'd hit the bumps and I'd hear this rattle and kind of felt a shift in the wheel. I'm like, what is going on here? And I've I felt this before, I thought I had a loose screw or a loose bolt or something. And so I stopped what I was doing, I took the wheel off, I took it to the workbench, and I figured out finally that I have some loose uh, wheels uh, or loose bolts where the actual Max Pappas wheel attaches to the um, extension, there's three bolts. And they've actually come loose. I didn't realize it because they were underneath the big pad. Um, And I had to take the pad off to see it. And what was happening is they're actually hollowing out the bolt hole uh, because of the forces that I endure with this wheel. And I might've ruined this wheel. Like it's been hollowed out a little bit um, on each of the three holes. And I'm concerned that I've, I've ruined it permanently so I, I, in a last-ditch uh, effort to fix it, I, I just grabbed a, a couple of wrenches and just tightened the hell out of those three knot those three bolts. They, they were locking nuts on them, but I just tightened them down. And right now it's not shifting, even though those those holes are hollowed out a little bit. But uh, I'm afraid uh, once I get some racing on it, I, I it'll it'll uh, break loose again. So uh, I might have ruined a four hundred dollar wheel.
3: Uh, a little bit of Loctite, maybe?
0: Well, uh, maybe that's what I should have done is uh, done some Loctite, like you said, or something. I, I never wanted, really thought about do I want to permanently, you know, put this thing on there? Uh, but maybe I should. Maybe that is the answer.
3: So it's three screws as opposed to a traditional either five or six?
0: Yeah, it's only three holes to mount the wheel to whatever you're mounting it to. Huh. All right, and so hopefully I haven't ruined my uh, USA colored uh, Max Pappas wheel, but uh, we shall see. And with that, hey, we'll see you on the track. Later. Thank you for listening to the Odd Racers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.